Well, hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Episode number five of Strategy in the Virtual Controller. Delighted to be here. Uh, my name's Damien Greathead and I'm alongside Penny Breslin. She's sitting in uh, in sunny San Diego. I'm sitting in sunny Sydney. Penny, how are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Damien? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. No complaints as I sort of look out, uh, look out the window and, and see a beautiful day out there and the ocean is, uh, o- ocean is glistening. So no complaints whatsoever. Yeah, it's glistening here too and the sun is shining and um you know summer's coming so everybody's getting a little bit more free around here getting out there a bit yeah so penny today um we we've on on strategy in the virtual controller and folks the website is satvc.co head over there to catch up with the latest episodes head over there to to see any of the articles and any of the downloads that we reference uh in any of our uh, in any of our previous podcasts but previously we've focused on um, the, the practice owner. Um, and, and actually one of the things we did say is we've got to get out of the habit of calling accounting firms practices, don't we? Because at the end of the day, they're businesses that do accounting. So, so, um, might need to put a swear jar in place so that I can keep focused on that, but basically helping business owners really understand that it's up to them to define who they are and what they want to be. Uh, and what types of services they want to provide, what types of things they don't want to do. Uh, and, and previously, we've talked about identifying that and, and, and different activities for uh, business owners to go through. And then also look at, okay, I don't want to do that. Can I delegate it? Can I outsource it? So we've gone through that process. Now we've got to start thinking about how do we communicate to our team? So Penny, what are the things that you're seeing uh, when it comes to uh, business owners and how they transfer that vision, how they transfer what it is they want. What happens next in terms of talking to the team? Well, I, I think I think that you have to. I think it behooves you to talk to them as whole, to find the vision that you're looking for, and then um, talk to them one on one. Pick the people. Whether if it's if it's a smaller firm and everybody's going to be involved. Because it's a smaller firm, you just talk to all of them. If it's a larger firm, you may have brought a group of people in that you feel could be part of this vision and talk to them in in a group. Uh, One of the nice things about being around in a table, okay, here's a little trick that we used to do at conferences. So if you ever see it done, folks, you'll know what it means. Um, we would teach people, oftentimes you'll see people teaching, you sit in a classroom style situation at tables, you're looking at them and you're lecturing to them. They are absorbing information, but when you want them to move, when you want them to do a call to action, you put them in a semicircle, you put them in a U shape. And the reason is, is because you want them to be looking at you and at each other. Because if you can get one person in that room that you can get eye contact with and you can get them shaking their head in agreement, then other people around the room can see their faces and they start shaking their heads. And when somebody's body goes into a yes mode like that, they're much more susceptible to being sold something. (laughs) 
the psychology of influence. And since I had to be the one to set the rooms up, I had to, I asked the question, why do we do this? And when I was told, I was like, oh my, inward. <laughs> and, well, we get that swear jar up and running. <laughs> really. <laughs> Anyways. So, but it's true it, in a conference room and stuff, you'd see that you'll see people go, they'll start nodding. They'll start nodding just because they think they need to. But in some cases they're nodding because they see the excitement of one person and they, they can, they see themselves having that excitement. So you kind of get to get that group buying. Now, then you've got the uh, after effect of, uh, you know, sorry, I did that. So now you have to talk to them one-on-one. And you've got to be very, you've got to get them to be very honest about what it is they feel they can do and what it is that's very uncomfortable for them to do. Because and we, it's the same process we asked the business owners to go through in previous episodes, isn't it? Oh, yeah. We're a very similar process because we're, we're sort of gonna, saying, here are the things I love and here are the things I, I do not love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, everything you're going to do, you're going to do it over and over again with not only yourself, with the members of your team, but also your clients. So, and, and it's like, I tell people that when you outsource accounting work to us as a firm, remember everything I'm asking you to do, the way, the process I'm asking you to give it to us, the process I'm bringing you through, that's the same process you're going to go to your clients with. So this is all repetitive. So you start small by doing yourself. You, you take care of, you know, how can I get through this myself? And then once you're comfortable, it's a lot easier for you now to take a group of people through the same process. And then you've got to be very, very honest that maybe not everybody is going to come along. And you have to be very open to accepting that some of the people that you currently have working with you may not be part of this team. Now, it, it could be that they're not the funk front focus part dealing with the client. They could be technically amazingly great. Um, and um, my daughter was a figure skater a competitive figure skater. And she, I remember when she was little and she did her last competition in Colorado before we moved to Wyoming. She was probably about seven years old. And she did Annie, uh, 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 her uh, technical program. Uh, And uh, she came off the ice. And I remember one of the moms looked at me and she goes, you know, technically, it wasn't perfect, but she sure knows how to make the crowd love her. And I went, yeah, she does. She likes being out there on the ice and being the center of attention. There, are, if, if you've got somebody who is very, very good with customers, and, but they're not really technically perfectly what you would call a perfect bookkeeper and an accountant, but you've got another person over here who hates to deal with the customers, just can't stand it and really likes that. Let me just get in and do my stuff on the computer. Those two people make a hell of a good team. And Penny, that's what often happens, isn't it? Because everyone is doing the same work. So everyone has the same title of bookkeeper or, or, or accountant. And so they're all doing the same work. They're all doing a little bit of, they're doing a lot of accounting. They're doing a little bit of client management. They're probably, there's probably some requirement on them to do a little bit of networking and a, or, and a bit of marketing. Um, and there's probably some admin on their, on their to-do list each and every day. Whereas to your point, 
put the put the, the the red, green, and yellow in terms of what we like, what we don't like, side by side. And more often than not, you will find an amalgamation of a perfect team across three and four people. You'll have four fantastic full time um, uh, full time team members, but they're not all doing the same thing, are they? They're doing. No. Some people love the marketing. Some people love the the admin. Some people love the the technical of bookkeeping and. Build the team that way rather than trying to create four molds of exactly the same thing. Yeah, and all four of those people, along with the apps and the client, then develop the vision that you had. And you, the end result is you get happy employees, you get happy clients, and you get your vision implemented. And once it's implemented, you get it followed through. There was a, there was a, another thing that we used to use and it was a triangle where at the top you have to have a vision. And then typically that visionary is very sh- lousy. I was going to say another word at doing, um, implementation and many implementers of which I've been accused of this. And I wholeheartedly wear it like a badge, get bored doing the same thing over and over and over. And they can't stick with it forever because it gets like boring. And so they need a finisher. So we always built the team with the idea of the Trinity, the visionary, the implementer, and the finisher. A lot of things in this world are built with threes. (laughs) Yeah. And and also Penny, like there's, there's a whole host. I've done the Colby assessment. I've done the, um, strength finders. There's a whole bunch of different assessments that are out there that if you are going through this process with your team, um, bring those types of assessments in because Boomer I think within Colt. Boomer. Yeah. I th- yeah. And it was great. Uh, Sandra and is uh, over at the Boomer Circle. She would yeah. uh, run those for the larger firms. And I'll tell you what, it really helps you put people and the right job. And the thing is, you you will find you will not maybe lose those people. Mm-hmm. You will just make their lives happier. And like my mother said, if, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. So if your employees are happy and your customers are happy, I can guarantee you, you're going to be happier. Because the old way of thinking was we've got strengths, we've got weaknesses, we've got to work really hard to to build our weaknesses so we're much more rounded. But the, the, the idea of Colby assessments and whatever is, you know what, focus on your strengths um, because I'm sure your weaknesses will be picked up by someone uh, someone else in the team who who has th- those strengths. And, and I think that's the way we've got to think about building our team is, again, rather than trying to build four clones of exactly the same uh, same person, look at the key elements to your business and then build the team um, with, with, with folks that excel in all those areas and recognize that uh, it's not going to be a clone of each other. Instead, it's going to be a complementary uh, building of, of teams uh, and skills. Yeah, they're going to they're going to assist each other in getting the ultimate vision done completed, which is that client is going to be happy at the end of the month. And this account manager, this person who owns the client, so to speak, uh, is going to be able to have a functional, uh, actionable intelligent conversation where they feel comfortable that all the numbers in front of them are correct and that are closed uh, as far as this is where they are in these reports. 
Um, but if you know where the numbers are in the reports every month, they can actually do actionable forecasting and what if scenarios where you're going to actually make the money because you're not making it at that mm-hmm. level, right? You're not making the profit at selling them month to month bookkeeping and closing. That's not where that honey spot pot is. It's in what if, oh, this is going to come up. Hey, you feel comfortable picking up the phone and calling me because something just happened and you trust me to not like to, to know where you're at so that you can make a good judgment call. So it just, there's just, this is just like I'm, I'm laying the foundation I'm putting together a team that will give me a foundation of information on every client so that I feel confident enough to walk into that client in a meeting, whether physical, on Zoom, whatever, and say, what if we did this to make your business better? But you need that foundation, and that foundation comes from good employees, good clients, and good technology providing you with excellent data that's correct. And we, uh, I've done a lot of consulting work with firms. I'm sure you have as well, um, Penny, but I, I always just remember that you'd go into these firms to talk about these types of things, about building the team um, and, uh, and, and talking to both the team members and the partners about what people like and don't like. And time and time again, you'd hear the, a lot of the accountants that they'd come back and say, there's this requirement on me to go networking. I couldn't think of anything worse. There's a requirement on me to do the marketing uh, by networking. Um, and it just wasn't in their personality. It just wasn't in their DNA to get out and do that type of networking. Uh, office administrator, one of the brightest, bubbliest personalities we'd ever met. So we sent her out to do the networking. We sent her out to the BNI meetings. We sent her out to the Chamber of Commerce. And she actually was the one that was bringing in the leads, was bringing in the new business because that's what she loved to do. Um, yeah, and actually, as it turned out- loved working for that firm because if yeah. you got bubbly at a BNI meeting, at about <laughs> You, you're sure you're gonna love it, but but that's that's if you and also if you find there are areas where nobody wants to network, nobody wants to market. That's when you go, okay, I got everything in place except this thing. Now, do I need a full time marketing person? Maybe I just need to outsource that. If I do, maybe I need to hire that person. But you know, if all you do is go, oh my god, I just got to hire another bookkeeper. Maybe that's not what you need. Maybe what you need is an admin person. Maybe what you need is a client. You know, you know, one of the biggest things I used to complain about with apps back in the early 2000s was that you didn't seem to care a damn about the user experience. And now you, get, you want to be, get a good job in tech. Client experience is critical to the long life of an app to the long acceptance of an app and to the long use of an app. Client experience is important. Well, it's the same thing for your accounting business. Your client's experience has to be good. Because um, they wouldn't know a good tax return if it hit him in the head. They yeah. wouldn't know a, they wouldn't know a good PL. They wouldn't know a good set of books. I mean, how many screwed up books have you seen? <laughs> and so the, the, the client won't know that, but they'll definitely know the experience. And who at the end of the day is responsible for delivering that experience? Your name is on the outside shingle, I think. So Yeah. 
And you and your team. Yeah. And so if, when you stop bringing in those admin staff who are uh, the first ones to answer the phone, the first ones to put something in an in a computer, the uh, they if they're happy, they're, the the their happiness will come through to the client when the client's speaking to them. And not only that, most of them are intelligent enough that they could probably take care of a lot of the administrative crappy part that takes you away from accounting and bookkeeping if that's what you love. Now, if you're a real techie person and that's what you like to do, then by all means, do it. But somebody in your office doesn't really care to do it and they're having to do it. Um, case in point. Uh, well, if you want me to, in case. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I've got a good uh, example too, so go for it. Okay, so uh, client uh, came on board about a year or so ago and I said, okay, who's going to be uh, the point person for getting all your clients into this workflow. And he goes, this this person over here, she knows all the clients. She has all the information. She's going to do it. Okay, boom, we start talking to her. She has all the clients. She has all the information. She hates technology, doesn't want to use it, and won't log in. Four months later, accounting owner comes back and says, why isn't this done? Well, here's the back and forth. What would you like me to do? I'm the outside consultant. I can't go in and, you know, strong on her. Uh, I have twice requested that you off put this job to a different person, to an administrator who has more time, who is not bogged down with doing tax returns that, because that's what you did. You gave this to one of your top tax preparers because you said she knew the client. That would, but nothing ever got done because she hated the technology. So let's go find somebody in your firm who enjoys the technology and can work with her and get the information out of her and, and show her how they will do the heavy lifting of using the technology. All they got to do is do it once, twice. So... That's what we did. And within a day, we had 30% of the work done that we had been waiting months and months and months to get started. And once the, the, the tax bookkeeper person who felt overwhelmed realized that, that they were not losing their jobs, they weren't losing control, they weren't any less than, and that the, this admin person was actually assisting them then it was like somebody lifted the dam and the deluge of information that was then put in that, because, you know, you can have all the workflow systems in the world you want, but if you don't populate it with information and um, it's worthless and all of a sudden everything just started getting populated and full because it was taken off the desk of the person who really didn't like that part of their job and given to the person who really enjoyed it and actually had the time to do it. And, and I think that's, I, I think we jump to conclusions too often, don't we? We see some person who we think has the right skill set or they have the right um, knowledge of the client or whatever. And we assume that that translates to if they know the client, then they're the ones that are perfectly positioned to be doing X, Y, and Z. But until we actually ask them, 
um, we're, we're sort of shooting ourselves in the foot, aren't we? Yeah. And it's four say- months later when a client complains and and you're like, oh, hang on. What do you mean this hasn't happened for four months? Oh, four months you, you, later, you go look at the workflow and you go, how come there's nothing in here? But, but <laughs> you know, there used to be an old saying, if you want something done, give it to a person who's busy. Bullshit. Okay, I swear. Oh, swear jar, Penny. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, but you know what? Uh, especially in these last two years, uh, you know, some people have enough on their, their plates uh, that, you you know, they just don't have time to do that, what is considered the administrative part of their job. Um, but if we're going to, if we're going to start this whole can, you know, get the workflow in, get the, get the information flowing in, get the client's books closed, get all this controller stuff done so we can do this higher level work. Don't rely on just bookkeepers and accountants to do all of that. They will do the, they will do the accounting and bookkeeping on the actual accounting program, but don't expect them to do the heavy lifting on getting everything up and running for the workflows, for the collection of the documents, for the communication back and forth with the client. You've got a lot of tools out there to do it, and you can, and the tools are simple, easy to use, and you can give those to administrative staff or interns that you want to bring in. That you know, you've got. And I'll tell you what, I can still walk into a firm today and I'm a business, an accounting business today and see tons of paperwork. Um, and, and it seems to be more East Coast than West Coast, but I don't know. And, um, but, you know, you just, you know what? And they'll go, oh, I don't have time to do this. I'm like, you know what? You got a community college down the street. Go hire an intern. Just mm. throw it at them um, and, and just give them the job to do it. And it'll get done. It's not, it's not rocket science. This is not the rocket science part of the job. The rocket science is the meeting you have with the client when you have all this foundational data and information. That, the rocket science comes in after that. Everything and that was one of the articles. Of, that's one of the articles. We were, uh, it was a Harvard article that you shared about collaboration without burnout and um, being aware of what, what you do need to do and what you don't need to do, but then thinking creatively and, and actually hiring an intern for, for however long that's not exactly that a creative way of doing it, but more more often than not. And and that article talked about um, being aware of what we need to do and what you don't need to do, thinking creatively or alternatively, not so creatively about how do you get it done? Because I think when you do put it onto that busy person, more often than not, they're going to say yes, because they're a good employee, they're a good team member, they're, they're um, they they know that, that they know that they can do it, and, and it's very difficult to say no sometimes as an employee. But 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 we're really just setting them up for failure, aren't we? Because we're just they're going to burn out. Yep, and I think that uh, we're seeing a lot of burnout right now. Yeah, absolutely. And Penny, what what are your thoughts about um, the people that proactively sabotage? Um, the initiatives of, of, of firms. Um, I saw it really early in, in my receipt bank days where we were trying to bring in receipt bank as an app to, uh, collect, organize, uh, all of the information associated with the bookkeeping function. I saw bookkeepers and administrators in firms sabotage that 
because they thought the technology, they thought the $15 a month for Receipt Bank uh, was going to put them out of a job. Um, And so whether it's an app, whether it's outsourcing, whether it's a particular client, how do you, how do you, what are the behaviors to be looking for if you've got a saboteur on your team? Um, My first indication is the client doesn't like us to do it that way. The client wants this. So the team member saying that the client, what the client will never do that. Client wants it this way, and um, so the the one of the worst ones I saw. um, Unfortunately, this person ended up getting fired. Uh, She literally, the client was exactly doing the opposite, and I told the partner, I said, "Why don't you call the client and ask them what they want?" And it turned out the client uh, was uh, retiring, turning the firm, this company over to their children. And their children w- were very anxious to go into a much more interactive, cloud-based, uh, control, transparent accounting process with this firm. Um, and it's a relatively good-sized client. We're talking, you know, a $10 million a year, you know, business. And the bookkeeper was the one who was refusing to do anything but Excel spreadsheets and QuickBooks desktop. And it was the bookkeeper that was holding them back. And, you know, and that was probably one of the worst ones I've seen. But I see it a lot right now where I'll go, you know, because we have to deal with, you know, holdups and information a lot. And I'll hear a lot. I'll hear, well, our clients just don't. Our clients just don't. They, they, you know, they still want, and I'm going, your clients in the middle of COVID still want printed out paychecks and hand-delivered bank statements. Come on, really? Well, you know, they're pretty old school. And I'm going, that, right now, that's not flying. I'm not accepting that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, to- I'm talking to my grandkids through Skype and Zoom, um, FaceTime. I'm probably accessing accessing uh, my bank accounts via an app and all that type of stuff. Might have been the first time I've done it, but I'm now doing it as a part of my active life. But yeah, I agree with you. This idea that, well, that's my client's pretty old school. I mean, I think that's a first indicator uh, that, that something's awry. Well, a lot of times, like, you know, the bookkeeper is dealing with it at that foundational level. and they're the ones, and I'm sorry, I, I know a lot of bookkeepers will be upset, but um, sorry, but that's where it really starts to get all bogged down. And so the accountant isn't talking to the client at that level. The, uh, the, the accountant probably doesn't know that the client isn't even aware of these options because it hasn't been presented to them. Um, and so you have to have somebody on this team who is willing to, and really, if you're going to do this, it's, it's a good investment to have somebody on the team who is going to be the onboarding. You know, I gave a speech about onboarding years ago in San Diego and about 50 people were in the room and people were going, I don't even understand the concept of this. You know, clients just bring this stuff to us and I go, and that's the problem is you think clients just bring this stuff to us. Clients bring you what you th- what they think you need. And then you spend hours discovering you didn't get what you really need. 
And then you go back and you get more stuff. And then a couple of months down the road, the client goes, Oh yeah, that's why that doesn't work. Cause I didn't, I had opened this account. Didn't I tell you about this? You know? So, I mean, there's so much stuff that you don't go through because you, you just, you get handed a set of books. Uh, if it's, if it's an ongoing existing business, you've got a mess to clean up most of the time and you don't have time to do discovery. But if you have an onboarding person who has a set of questions that they ask the client, that prompts the client, that uh, allows for a, a communication to go back and forth, and they collect the information, and they teach the client how to use the apps, and they keep your account managers and bookkeepers out of that, then all that information starts flowing into those people. They are much more likely to like this change and this team process. And Penny, we'll talk more about the, the the book maybe on the next podcast. But the version one or edition one of the um, of the cloud accountant uh, manual that you put together a, um, a number of years ago, I, th- I think it was about a fifteen page checklist. And obviously, you, you chop and change based on your firm. But it was a fifteen page intake questionnaire um, that covered everything from. Uh, from point of sale to payroll to uh, inventory, so you can obviously adjust it. But but until you systematically go through your clients that way when they first come into the business, you're just constantly going to be coming up against unknowns, aren't you? Yeah, and, and the, it's the unknowns that uh, rattles you. It, it gets you behind because you spend time go trying to figure out did I miss this did the client miss this did the bank mess up did the, the merchant services mess where was the mess up and it was just like there was a piece of information that wasn't given to you that if you knew ahead of time that wouldn't have occurred so it and that hits your margin pretty quickly doesn't it yeah sure yeah when you I mean come on this is bookkeeping's a loss leader folks uh it's not where the money's being made the bookkeeping is where you do the flat rate pricing it's not where you do the value added pricing. So when you, when, you know, it's just like when you're living on a, or in retirement on a, on a set income, you don't need any uh, surprises in that area. So, yeah. So folks check out um, satvc.co for, uh, for the latest information on where to find the book. Um, the latest edition will be coming live in the, in the next couple of weeks, but um, you'll be able to download a copy of that checklist. Uh, and I know a, a whole bunch of firms uh, that now use this as stock standard whenever a new client comes on board. So, Penny, back to sabotage, if we can, because the other sign that I think I wanted wanted to touch on you, your your comment was if the if the team members coming back to say that the client doesn't want to do it, the client's old school. So I think that's one to be looking out for. I think the other one to be looking out for is the technology's not working, or the technology's not working, or the uh, the technology is not working or the service is not working. And, and I've seen this in a couple of instances. Um, and I remember a firm that we'd introduced the concept of outsourcing to. Uh, the owners were very keen, but the team members were not. And as a result of the audit trail, because again, using a workflow system, there's a, a full audit trail in the system. Uh, we actually found out that the manager that was responsible, they were going in and changing the what was coming back from the outsourcing team. Yep. And so they were the 
systems that were going in and and sabotaging. And I've seen that with seen that with Receipt Bank. I've seen that with outsourcing. I've seen it with a whole host of apps. That another sign to be looking for is the technology doesn't work or the the the, the outsourcing team doesn't know what they're doing. So, what are your thoughts on on that type of a comment coming from the team? We deal with that uh, quite often. Yes, uh, we see uh, sabotage uh, not only, obviously, within an office, um, uh, but um, we obviously have had people do it to us. Um, and we have, we're real meticulous about uh, documenting everything we do and checking audit trails because of that. Um, that's, that's a real hard one uh, because somebody's done something very untoward and uh i don't i don't enjoy that aspect um sabotage is just uh i mean who could be that desperate but some people are i guess i don't know but I, and, I, and i think um so if so i think the client doesn't want to do it the client's old school the tech or the 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 solutions not working. It's um it's it's not as good as what they promised. Any other signs that there might be some internal sabotage going on in your mind? I'm not sure. They don't use uh, the workflows. Uh, part of part of uh, being able to do something along these lines, where you can have that base foundation for every client and have it updated, is you need to be able to track. Um, data flows in documents are still a problem, but we have apps to work it. So are we setting up, uh, tasking properly? Is somebody responding to the answers? Um, who's part of the team where, you know, Hey, wait a minute, we didn't get this from the client. Where is it? And, and, and that, that never gets answered. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see that. Oh, well, you know, I just don't want to use the workflow. Just send me an email. They'll they'll abrogate the system that you've put together in some way so that they're just drama. And the drama is another drag on the system. So yeah, you can get uh you can get people who just they're 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 like they got their toe in there enough to seem like they're part of the the of the team but then they just don't use certain things they let it go back well just this one client's going to do it this one way and they they don't really they haven't really bought into this vision you know you got to I'm sorry you just get, you got to nip that one because as soon as one person gets away with it they all will stop. Yeah, they all will. And so it's, oh, we'll just do it differently for the one client or just email it to me and I'll, I'll take care of it. So yeah. some some signs that you need to be listening yeah, like, for. I, I, like, yeah, I mean, just email it to me. Well, why should I email it to you when it's on your task list? I sent it mm-hmm. to you a week ago. You know, um, so, yeah, it's uh, they don't show up at meetings. Um, they're always too busy to show up at a meeting. Um, That's a pretty obvious one. <laughs> <laughs> they don't show you know, up. But I mean, there's always there's always a legitimate excuse, mm. uh, but uh, 
you know, and the meetings that you have about these clients are very, very important. The meetings you have as teams are very, very important. And they're naysayers. They're just naysayers all the time. Um, and I, I think, really I think that negativity. Yeah. And I think what you just said there is you've got to nip that in the bud immediately because as soon as, as soon as one, one team member starts doing it and starts getting away with it, uh, it snowballs pretty quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. I think there was an old song by the Cowsells, one bad apple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also an old saying too. And, and there's a couple of, a couple of different things that I think if, if you are starting to hear some of those rumblings within the team, there, there's one, uh, f- first things first, make sure you go back to the work that you've done so far. Have you done uh, a good job in communicating the vision? Have you done a good job in bringing the team along for this journey, helping them and, and letting them have their say and, and being a part of this process? Uh, repetition is an incredibly important, um, incredibly important tool as we go through change, man- change management, the why are we doing this, how are we doing this. Repetition is critical. But at the end of the day, if, if you feel that you've done a, a a reasonable job of this change management process. Um, we've got to talk about getting people off the bus, and and that comes from Jim Collins as good to great. Um, it's one thing to move people into the right seats, and that's what we were talking about: our red, green, and and, and yellow. Uh, but if you've got those naysayers, and if you've got these people that, after going through this process, um, just aren't aren't don't want to be aren't coming along for the ride, then we've got to get them off the bus, don't we? Because otherwise that's going to just slow down, derail um, every single uh, effort that you make in the future. And, 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 you'll, and it'll just poison the rest of the team. Yeah, and you want to you wanna always, you, know, you can build something stable with the idea that everybody's a red shirt, everybody's instant expendable, including yourself, you know, but you you've also got to know that uh, you can't just say, I've got all these clients. That's all I need. I got this team. That's all I need. Nothing stays static. Clients are going to be fluid in and out. Team members are going to be fluid in and out. And you don't want somebody on the team who, when a new person comes on board, they have an opportunity to spoil something new. Cause they'll tell you something. This is a small world. And yeah. Your reputation uh, can, you, you can get a reputation as it's a lousy place to work because of this one person. Uh, yeah. And I've seen that happen. And, um, you know. And I've also seen firms do a, a much better job of it where they recognize that somebody's not happy, somebody uh, doesn't want to be, uh, be on this journey, and actually just having that heart-to-heart conversation that says, Joe, look, I see the, 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 the struggles that you're going through. I'd much prefer us to call it quits now rather than this relationship souring even, even further. And, and I, I've seen that a lot where we've sat down and had that conversation with team members, with partners, uh, and six months down the road, 12 months down the road, all the parties are infinitely happier because they're, they're not doing things that they don't want to do. And they're also not sort of carrying people along for this ride. So the sooner you can nip it in the bud and have an honest heart to heart conversation, the, the, the better it's going to be for, uh, for everyone involved. And I'll say it again, it is very difficult to find good people. It is very easy to get rid of those good people and, yeah. and just the bad ones left. 
Well, Penny, I think that's a really good place to, to leave episode number five of Strategy in the Virtual Controller. I think uh, we've done some good um, groundwork in terms of setting the vision, talking about the team and 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 uh, and where we want to take the, the, the business. Now we've got to get into the nuts and bolts of who are we going to work with? What are we going to provide? How are we going to deliver the work? What the hell is advisory? How do I price my services? Uh, so that's what's coming up next um, over the next couple of episodes, which I'm pretty excited about. And I think we've got a couple of special guests coming uh, in the next episode or two as well. Yeah, we have a, 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 a two uh, people who uh, started um, a business, a firm together, and over a couple of year period, separated, uh, remained friends, uh, and actually push business back and forth to each other based on their own personal preferences on how they want to work with clients and have been very successful. And um, they've uh, both agreed to sit down and talk about what that journey was like of starting a firm, coming to the conclusion that although they have friends, they had different visions on where they wanted to go and then separating that firm out. Fantastic. Well, Penny, look forward to uh, to, to talking with them uh, on the next episode. Um, strategy in the virtual controller, folks. Find us at satvc.co. Uh, sign up for the for the podcast. Um, jump on, give us a review if you feel so inclined. Send us your questions. Um, jump onto the website there. Send us your questions. Shoot us a message through LinkedIn. Uh, we're, we're delighted to answer any questions that we can. But Penny, thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Damien. Bye-bye.